Well, this morning, we are privileged to have lots of guests this morning, and if you're new with us, you're in for a special morning. We, we're starting this series called I Am Community. I just want to tell you why. One of the things we're feeling just weighty about, and probably more importantly, where I've been feeling as, as a pastor of the church, how often people walk in and out the doors of a local fellowship and don't realize the responsibility or the weight that's on their shoulders. See, when you became a Christ follower, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, he immediately adopted you into a family called the church. So it's, as, as much as our culture would like to think, you can't walk in and say, I'm a Christian and I'm not a part of a church. It just doesn't work out that way. You've been brought into the family of God. With that was some responsibility. And with that was some weight of that history. For me, I love history. I love going back to seeing the roots of of people and stories that have kind of laid the groundwork for where we stand today. And uh, throughout college, I would take unnecessary history courses just because I loved it. You know, my last name being Murphy, I took took Irish history. Lost me halfway through it, but um, I loved learning a little bit more about that heritage. But really, where I really started to find some passion and roots in history was every time I get to go back to see my grandmother, Emily. Emily is 95 years old. She lives in Burbank, California. She still gets her $5, and she shops at JCPenney. She rides the the senior shuttle over there. She loves it. Uh, But every time I get to visit her alone, I get this chance to say, Grandma, can you pull out your photos? And she'll tell me. She tells me, and so I don't think my dad watches this, but uh, she'll say, don't tell your father. Because I think my dad takes the pictures. You know, he keeps them. So she'll pull out this box and put it on her small little bed, and she'll start putting photos out. And I love just, every time I talk to my grandmother, it's some new story, some new photo of something I just didn't know. And so I remember the last time we were together, she said to me, now, I said, what's that, Grandma? She goes, well, that's your, that's my father. That's your great-grandfather. He was the, the head of security at Fox Studios in Burbank. And because he was head of the studios and security, um, all of his daughters got to try out for musical dancing parts. And so my grandma starts telling me all these famous old black and white movies, they'd have a small little dancing part. I mean, who'd have thought? My grandma tells me about her story, about how she met my grandfather. She was a Rosie the Riveter, so she would be kind of inching her little body down the wings of a plane and putting rivets in it. I remember her telling me about my grandfather, who was a, photo, a photographer in the Navy, and she pulls out this, this picture of President Nixon shaking hands with somebody and thinking, man, it just, there's a different feeling when you start to look at the history of something and remembering the past. And we felt as a church, it's really important that we look back as a church body because 48 years ago, some passionate people around Jesus Christ So we care for this city, and we care that others know about him. And so we're going to put our hand to the plow. We're going to give our best to God and build a church. And as Joe said, for 48 years, someone every Sunday morning has stood up and said, Welcome to Green Bay Community Church, and you are welcome. Whether you're here for the first time or you've been here for 20 years, it's a privilege to do this this morning. Well, we had the fortunate opportunity 
uh, and it was really, I think, just by divine wisdom, not our own. But when I first came aboard about five and a half years ago, Ted Bassett Jones, really one of our first paid pastors here of this church, and Joe Erkovich, for 25 years, I just said, let's go out and shoot a video of the history of this church because I just don't know it. And we did it. And so it's on our website, but we want to share that with you this morning to kind of give us a context of where we're going to head this morning. So will you enjoy this little history? folks house isn't it yes it is uh, and they were one of the five family units that started the church uh, all the families had come from outside of Green Bay and were uh, familiar with other forms of worship and and then what was being offered in Green Bay at the time and so then that's why they uh, wanted to uh, start their own church the genesis of the the group was really the people it, it was never the building itself, but the people, they had come from Chicago, they'd come from Minneapolis, uh, ones Racine, um, Crown Point, Indiana, and, and they had all come from uh, different areas. So then they would meet, they met here, they met in a couple of other homes at times, and moved around, but it was that close-knit group of people that were committed to the Lord and committed to each other that really made the difference. So, so folks and some others had a Bible study in uh, a basement and uh, that met for a few months and then with that then they decided to uh, expand and, uh, and see if they could find property. When I came here in 72, there was a small two-room schoolhouse here. It'd be, bread brick building. It had been here for well, probably 80 years. We bought it. We bought it with the ice and snow in the basement. But there was nothing else here. It didn't even fill half of this area that we see here today with the, the gas station and the car wash. And uh, there was nothing out here. All of this was farm field. You would see cows and all the rest. Oh yeah, there was over here, Olson's Guns. Little wee gun store and he sold bicycles. Probably his store was almost the size of the car wash. But uh, that, that was the only business and that was what we identified with. Uh, we were across from Olson's Guns and everyone knew that location as well. All right, this used to be the Our Lady of Charity uh, a convent, and we moved in here in 1983. Right here is the old laundry room, and uh, we met in this laundry room for three years here. And the unique thing about this laundry room was that um, we had those pipes. Remember those, Ted? Yeah. <laughs> They'd start clanking partway through the service when the heat kicked on, and there was a bathroom at the back, which was a women's bathroom. 
And people would get up to go use the bathroom, and then in the middle of a talk or something, you hear the toilet flush, everybody would turn around and look, look to see who was in the bathroom. But a lot of good memories here. There was a lot of good people that came oh, on board. Yeah, this was where we had room to grow. Yeah, and we grew to about 180 people in this facility. Yeah. And we used to have peg roasts all the time. Yeah, did we? And really? we had them peg here, roasts? peg roasts. Oh, it was awesome. We'd have a big peg roast and everybody bring food and... Peg? Peg, man, pig. a pig. Pig. Well, you got it. That's a Michigan accent, Troy. You're Is from it? California. You don't get yeah. this. Pig roast. Pig roast, yeah. Not a pig. Yeah, those little things that run around and oink. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we used to have those all the time. And uh, we had them here. You know, we had them here. We'd... So there was a lot, a lot of fellowship that took place. Oh, yeah. Now, what year was that here? 1983 through 1986 six, or seven. Six, yeah. yeah, right in there, 86 maybe. I was done with school, college. Oh, good, Troy. You grew up finally. <laughs> no, you could have been in our junior haven't. high program here. <laughs> wow. This building right here was the building that Community Church met in from 1987 to about 1993-94, I think. I'm not positive the exact time we switched to the new location, but uh, this was a place where the church grew from like 180 to about 1,100 people and had a great impact on the community out of this facility. It was a lot of fun to be here. There was a special, it was a special place for us at that time. We tore down the trees that were in place where the church exists. We worked together to do that. And there were a lot of great things that happened here. Yeah, we're going to head in here and take a look at the chapel area. But that cross up there was made by a craftsman from church. What's really good, too, about that transition, because Ted and I were friends in the process of doing ministry here together. And we didn't always see eye to eye. Believe me, we had oh, some yeah. interesting discussions over the years. But we were friends, and he worked on the teaching team with me all those years. So he was actually having input on a regular basis, even though he wasn't in the pastorate anymore. He was actually having input through me. But I went to Ted when I decided it was time for me to step out, and I said, Ted, I hope I do this as well as you did. Mm. That touches my heart to think yeah, about. Because yeah. Ted did it well. Yeah, so much. Yeah. He did it really well. Yeah. And I knew that his heart was broke at one level when he left because that was a tough time in the church's life. And, but I knew at the other level, it was just your heart was there to still serve and that was great. It's funny, you come to the end of what you have to give and it's time to give it off, yeah. you know. Yeah. And what a blessing to step into that legacy. Yeah. From mm -hmm. grandpa to dad. <laughs> <laughs> And this facility here was actually built in three phases. The first phase included the gym. The second phase included the youth ministry area, children's ministry area. And then the final phase was the chapel area, mm -hmm. which has been a great addition for the church. So it was built yeah. in three phases, and it's been an awesome facility to work out of. And Troy, we're counting on you to fill it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, thanks. Eight I, services a week. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Just the now.
What would your hope be now that you guys have had such a, a vested season of developing Community Church? You've had this season. What's your hope now that you're kind of stepping away and sitting in some ways the grandstands and saying, all right, I hope Troy and the staff and the leadership of the church do what? First of all, it's probably uh, reaching out, um, experiencing, for a child to be, for an adult child, experiencing more of life. Uh, and so I think with the church, I guess, taking what we have here and taking it elsewhere. I, I look at it and there are two words that I think, I think would, I would love to see this body um, continue to embrace and to expand into the community. And that's inclusiveness, which goes back to meeting people where they're really at. Mm -hmm. But it's something that includes people where they're really at. Yeah. And I think churches tend to get away from that. Every church does yeah. because it becomes about us and what our lives are about, what we think we need. Listen, the average church attender, as you know, in America, has more information, more stuff available for their own spiritual development. They're still unsatisfied, and it's because they don't understand the importance of the relationship with Christ. Yeah. They make it all about what they know rather than who they know. Yeah. Isn't that great to see? Yeah. I'm really jealous for you to see that because we, we got to shoot that and then, we, as we know, Ted Bassett Jones passed away and uh, it was pretty emotional first service and still feel that of just missing him. Uh, man, what a privilege to have for the first couple of years I was here, I had a chance to Joe was still around. I mean, he wasn't in Memphis. And then even to have uh, Ted be a, still part of our teaching team, um, just a great privilege. And what a, what a legacy to step into great transitions. In a culture today where churches, it's infighting and there's so much uh, against about the next person coming in, gosh, uh, what, what a privilege we have. And so this morning, we wanted to kind of let you in on more of, of kind of what's gone on here at Community Church because you, we step in here and quickly step into a beautiful campus, a debt-free campus, uh, a campus that has had many staff members, many people a part of this church journey, and you probably don't know a lot of that, and you should. You really should. And so uh, we have the privilege always to have them when they're in town, but uh, we've asked Joe and Arliss to come up so... 25 years of, of putting the hand to the plow here. Would you welcome Joe and Arliss? I'm going to do better this service. Man, I was a mess last service. I don't want you weeping. I know I was. <laughs> Joe had to hug me in the middle of the interview because I was such a mess. Thought I was on the Oprah I show. I think, you know, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like dad comes around and you get all emotional, right? There I'm you just go. glad you didn't call me grandpa in that thing. Poor Ted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I need to say this to you. I just feel led to say this. You did it well, too. I know that, that part where we were over there. Um, wanting to do it well like Ted, you have. So Thank you, Troy. That no. chokes me up now. Can I about it? No. <laughs> you did. 
And I mean, both you and Arliss have just done so much. Uh, probably that I don't know fully because I wasn't here, but I just wanted a chance for you guys to know them. Some of you know you have a lot of history with these two. Some stories we can't talk about, others we can. Uh, we can I, talk about all of it as far as I'm I, concerned. I know, because you get to go home, so <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, right. I have you. to stay here. <laughs> uh, I I'm, would really like to dive into uh, a little bit of what it was like, maybe to go back to the beginning, and I think just on your reflection of getting, and we just talked about last service, but diving in and being called to pastor Green Bay Community Church. Can you reflect back on, give us a little insight of what that was like. Well, we were kind of, uh, we'd been out on the West Coast in graduate school, Multnomah Seminary, and uh, we had, had, for 10 months, we didn't have a place to plant ourselves. And uh, community church got in touch with us. Uh, when we were living in Wausau, Arliss was working a part-time job, and I was helping a carpenter out and asked us if we'd consider coming here. So I came and uh, interviewed with our leadership team. And uh, the, in that process, I told Arliss, this isn't going to work. My idea of ministry is so different than where they've been. They're going to throw me out on my ear after about 30 minutes of interview. And that's okay, because I'm not going to be involved in a church unless it can be different than the right. churches I experienced. And uh, I, as I met with that leadership team, Tony Folk was the chairman at that time. Um, I ordered the most expensive thing on the menu at Holiday Inn downtown. That's where they wanted to meet. It was nice, a nice steak. Nice, Good call. Got all the mushrooms and all that other stuff, you know, the extra goodies. <laughs> Thinking that would be it. That's I'm right. Gonna, you just got a free lunch. You know, I'm going to eat good at least. And I laid out my ministry plan, and they asked questions and talked and what I thought was important. And uh, about two-thirds of the way through the meal uh, and the question and answer, Pete Raddix, who was on that team, lit up a cigarette. He kind of sat back, and he was smoking. And I said, I think I can work with these guys. Because I wanted yeah. real people who didn't pretend right. what spirituality was about, but they lived their life for who they really were. Yeah. And that kind of opened the door to a process that began. Now, it wasn't a very big church, Arliss. You'd mentioned that. So just tell us a little bit about kind of what was going through your mind. Well, they had a, a Sunday evening service that nobody came to and a Wednesday evening service that nobody came to, but he had to prepare and our whole family would drive up and there would be a few people that would come. And, and I thought, what did we do? You know, but one by one, I mean, the church started filling up more and we'd say to everyone coming in, do you sing? Do you play the piano? Can you teach children? <laughs> well, we'll take you to lunch. Maybe you'll come back next Sunday. Um, didn't have to do that for long. It, it took on a life of its own, and now I know that the life of its own was, was Jesus' life. And um, the whole time we were there, we began to get a sense of we want to grow a church we want it to get bigger. We want to move into another building. And then we want to move into another building so we can have a voice in this community. It's, it was all about that. It wasn't just a lot of people. It's how can we put a footprint in this community. Years later, when I was teaching at Bayport, kids would uh, say, Mrs. Erkovich, our family's starting to come to Green Bay Community Church. And I'd go, Mm. That's what it's about, changing wow. lives, changing lives, growing them after they realize what they could be in Jesus. And um, 
it's been great. I've loved it. I, I read a journal just not that long ago, and it was an old journal, and it said, my favorite day of the week is Sunday because I can come to church, and I feel safe, and I feel loved, and people will hug me and shake my hand and make me feel important. Of course, it was all about me, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I failed the other six days. Yeah, that. That. <laughs> Thank God for Sundays. Safest place, come to church. You know, it's amazing when you say footprint uh, because we know the church is not about those things, but I don't know about any of you, but I was disturbed that there was actually a place that sold bikes and guns. Would there ever be such a thing today? I mean, bikes and guns, you know what I'm saying? So you get away from the scene quicker. Oh better than running. You got the more idea endurance. of somebody coming out with a bike and a gun just is not, it's not a good picture for today. But even Ted, and, I've, and you mentioned just that heartbeat of having a footprint but to make an impact um, in the community. So you, you outgrew the schoolhouse. So this is a brick, Maryland. Bassett Jones has this brick. This is one of the original bricks from the schoolhouse. Was, the, was there a bathroom story there too? I think there was. Bathroom story? About the schoolhouse? Oh man, the thing about the schoolhouse, it was a decrepit old building and when the <laughs> spring came and the flies started getting active, some of you know That's this from cabins, the flies were like half drunk and so I'd be talking and all of a sudden one would fly into my mouth or... <laughs> Land on my nose, and I and I had showered that morning, so it was very frustrating. But it was the way it was, and it, it was crazy. But a lot of good memories there. It was a it was a piece of junk building, though. It needed to be torn down, so it, it <laughs> happened. That's all we could afford, though. Yeah. Well, so there's this this journey from footprint to footprint, and then finally here. But I want to go back to there are a lot of people. And a lot, I, I think to help us appreciate in here that weren't a part of the 25 years, just some of the sacrifice that went on. And I love what you're saying. There's a sense of um, almost, I want to say, a, a healthy divine pride of look what God did. And now look at the footprint. Yeah, it's a piece of property, but it's bigger than that. There's an impact in the city. Can you reflect a little bit on some of the people? And that, because it wasn't just you two, mm -hmm. there was a whole lot of people. Yeah. I, it, those early years, the thing I recognized about myself when I was younger is that I like to lead, but I'm not a good administrator. And so I always had to have people alongside of me who could actually do the things I thought about and dreamt about, <laughs> because otherwise they'd never get done. Right. And uh, there was just some wonderful men. Tony Folk was the first chairman of the board, and we got a foundation laid. And as the church grew quickly, uh, um, other people, Bruce Conger was on in those early days, and Bruce was, is a great administrator, did a wonderful job of helping to support and uh, keep things together. Uh, over the years, Wes McNeil came on board early on. He's a physician in the community for many years, and he did the same kind of thing organizationally for me. And uh, boy, I, you know, there's John Wirch, Denver Johnson. I could name a whole bunch yeah. of individuals who did the work that needed to be done to organize the process of ministry in a really effective way so that the church could expand its outreach into the community at large. It's just been a wonderful group of people. Yeah, and it's like they took on the weight of the vision of the church and, and really carried it. The more stories I keep hearing, it's just like they cared. It wasn't just a Sunday pop in and out. It was They gave their lives to it. No, I, I, the guys I worked with, and I think the Scott laid with this too, the guys I worked with, the men and women that I worked with, were committed. Yeah. And they worked hard. Yeah. And the reality is, if you didn't work hard, you probably weren't going to work here. Right. 
That's kind of our motto in the office. Right, right. We want you to work hard and work smart. I'm keeping that, that motto. Okay, way to go, Troy. Yeah, there you go. Arliss, as you think about some of that and just about people and, and even just the emotion of you coming back here, kind of reflect on that a little bit. Somebody just asked me on Friday what is so good about coming back, and I said the greatest, one of the greatest joys of our lives is that what began a long time ago is still going on and it's growing and you're flourishing and you're learning and you're coming into an understanding of, of what it means to have Jesus be your personal savior. And that's, I mean, the fact that this work is going on and we're not a part of it, but you're still in our hearts when we talk, uh, you know, I mean, we attend a church now and we're supportive of it, but our friends, our long-term friends are here. And uh, I just want, a great joy is to see that you're growing and going and um, becoming more like Christ in your individual lives. Yeah. I mean, it's an honor to have you guys here. I hope you know that. I never, I never regret, like, can we get Joan Arliss up here? It's like, yes. I mean, love that. Can I say something about that, Drew? No, you can't. Okay, thanks. <laughs> All right, we're going to do the love offering now. <laughs> <laughs> Troy, uh, I've, I've told Troy this privately, and I mentioned it in first service because it's so unique. I do some consulting with churches, and I can tell you when a minister leaves, most of the time people in leadership <laughs> in that church don't want that dude ever to come back. <laughs> And it's not because he did a bad job. It's just that they don't want to be measured by somebody who went before them. And what I've so appreciated about Troy, and I think part of it has to do with just your makeup, but part of it has to do, we spent time together for a number of years, and he knows we didn't have to agree on everything, but we had communication, we had support of each other, and to be able to come back and be a part of it's a gift, so thank you very much. I just wanted to say that for his sake. Now we can do the love offering. <laughs> well, we have more to, to talk about here because the story, obviously we're talking about footprints and facilities, but those are just almost side stories to deeper issues, or not deep issues, but deeper meaning going on, lives being changed, as you said, and it, it, it lands us to this property. And so I'm going to dismiss our list, but not like dismiss her because she's not valuable up here, but she's just thanking Jesus that I don't have to keep her up here. So we thank our list for being up here. Um, now we're going to invite uh, the family. There's a picture, um, and if you could pull that picture up, of Virgil and Eva Vandervelden. This is the Vandervelden couple that uh, own the farm in the back entrance if you come off a of Riverview. And Virgil's no longer with us. Eva's still alive. She's 98 years old. And uh, they're the couple that, for some reason, God led to say, we want this church or this property to, to have a church on it. And we just so happened this morning to have uh, all their kids here, the Vandervelden kids. So will you welcome them up as we talk to them for a minute?
So as they take a seat, this is Ellen. You guys, welcome Ellen. And <laughs> Ellen doesn't like speaking much. Um, she's really shy, and 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 uh, no, she actually does really well being that spokesperson. I love dialoguing with you, um, and you give us so much insight. And and we've chatted because we've recently uh, purchased the rest of the farmhouse and. Uh, you know, we're excited as God continues to un unfold how we're going to use that. But could you introduce your siblings for us? Would you do that? I uh, taught at a university and therefore. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is my brother, Bob. He's the oldest of the family. Um, he was with the folks when they first moved to the property in 1940. And at that time, it was 30 acres. As you know, the church bought 18 of those. The back 10 has been um, developed. And now, I got to talk to you about this annual budget, Pastor Troy. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure we charged enough for that land. <laughs> she told me that. This is Jay. Uh, I'm Ellen. You know that I'm. I'm a bit younger than Bob. I'm a post post World War II baby. This is my sister Jane, and on the end is my sister Lois, the the youngest. And we always say Dad's favorite, <laughs> but knows 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 more than the rest of us. I think about yeah, yeah. growing up on the on the home place. We all did grow up on this home place, and. Uh, Pastor Joe, you, you, you know, the legacy of history, you didn't work on this farm unless you worked hard either. Yeah, that's just true. so you know. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> well, we want to just dive in a little bit of the, the story about your parents and your guys' lives and, and how maybe that was like. Uh, I think I'd like to just start a little different this service about kind of their spiritual backdrop um, and just kind of share with us a little bit about who they were. Um, they obviously loved God. They attended the church. Um, but just tell us a little bit about them, if you could. We um, attended St. John the Baptist Church, and all of us went to elementary school there. Um, I can actually give you God. God's working in a simple man who is growing the kingdom. Um, Dad was working the land, um, was it? Anyway, he had Parkinson's disease, and I shared God's gift of salvation with him. Um, there was times going on, and of course, I'm living in Lakeside, Montana, and I'm our church is praying, and um, this God presented this one gentleman and said, "A man needs to hear from a man." So I talked to Dave Dillinger, and I said, "Someday, when Dad's very coherent." would you or Pastor Joe share God's gift? And um, what happened is Dad was struggling and wanted to die. And I said, so Dad, do you know where you're going? Yep, Pastor Joe talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> Good, that's amazing, that's awesome. Did you want to share about Mama? Um, for both my parents, their faith was very important. 
Mom was Lutheran, dad was Catholic, so back in those days, mom converted and raised us all in the church, and we went to St. John's. But um, their spiritual lives were important, uh, spoken or unspoken. Things that we found um, that mom had saved all dealt with education and church. And I'm sure they took a great sense of satisfaction in selling the property to Green Bay Community Church uh, when they told us that they had sold. I think there was just a piece about it that they felt good about it. And uh, so we can't help but be happy for them, for you. Mm. What a rich kind of history. So talk a little bit about Ellen and Bob. Maybe you guys talk a little bit about, I know your, your mother would look out the window and kind of check out what's happening at church, but there was a lot of activity of stuff being grown here, uh, a lot of farming. I just, I found out a lot of manure was spread on this space that um, were built on a lot of stuff. So... <laughs> Yes, uh, this, this land was farmed the entire time until the sale to the church. Um, the crops were rotated. They were uh, corn, hay, and oats. And yes, um, copious amounts of natural fertilizer um, <laughs> has formed the uh, <clears throat> basis of um, around the farm, let's just put it. We're a real church. And that's You're a we're, real right? church. We're earthy and real. That's right. <laughs> um, and, and, and when, you, when um, Mrs. Pastor Troy told me about the... the <laughs> <laughs> told me about the uh, community farm... Uh, community Garden, plots, yeah. gardens plots, and how rich that soil was. <laughs> we know why. Uh, <laughs> But no, it was a typical small farm. Uh, Dad worked uh, outside the farm. Mom raised us, ran the farm, including when Dad was in the service, she and Bob ran this farm, all of it. Uh, it was just what was done then. And um, so we know it, we love it. We felt their pride when we were told, because we were not consulted. We were told the land would be sold to um, the community church. And Pastor Joe can tell this story better than I about um, the instructions Dad gave yeah. us. Well, it was crazy because uh, we were together. Um, I had stopped in to see Virgil because he was near death and he was about to leave. And uh, I wanted to just spend a little time with him and pray with him and just encourage him as best I could because over the years that we had talked about this stuff, he'd become a friend actually and Eva too, and I'd just pop in and say hi to him uh, because we connected at a deep level. And uh, as I was talking with him, he kept interrupting me, and finally he said, he said to these guys, he pointed his finger, I remember him laying in bed, sell the farm to Joe. And I said, Virgil, that's not why I'm here. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that another time, but that's not why I'm here. But that's just the kind of man he was. He was very direct, and uh, as one of you said earlier today, um, very direct but very thoughtful. He thought through everything and then made a statement because he'd come to a conclusion that he was committed to and believed in. And I like that about him. I really did. I enjoyed that about him. It's amazing how God can take us, and, and maybe 
not even maybe, but just without us even fully recognizing. And I think you'd mentioned your father had an eighth grade education, but a very wise man. I mean, uh, he had a, a favorite, well, he had a favorite saying. I don't think you, if you want to mention that, his saying, which I thought was quite interesting. One of the things as a child, he would always tell me, keep your mouth shut and your ears open. And I really think that that was his style. As Joe said, he thought about everything. He listened, he analyzed. Um, and I always compare it to, actually there's two scriptures. One is in James 1 where it's, be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And I think that he actually practiced that. He was quick to listen. He'd always listen and slow to speak. Um, the other one is he was very self-conscious of only an eighth grade education. So he didn't think himself smart. But as Troy said, he was a very wise man. And that is in Proverbs 17, where it says, a fool who is silent is thought to be wise. So, or even a fool who is um, is wise if, if he's silent. But I just think about that, and Dad contemplated and yeah. thought a lot. Um, so even though that uh, he didn't speak a lot, he thought things through, and he was a wise man. And so he farmed this land mm -hmm. and grew things mm -hmm. and didn't want it to be parsed out, but ends up selling to a church where we're continuing to grow things. Mm -hmm. And even as funny as the garden, I know that, that sprung that on you. Our garden, our, it's, it's run by, is it NWTC's um, UW Extension? And Cheryl does that. Anyway, I think it's roughly, we, they had produce out of that for last year for $47,000 $47, of produce last year. That goes back into the community, and it's for people that obviously can't afford um, a lot of food themselves. And the richness of the land, it's the number one space wanted. I mean, how, how amazing that your father um, gets to watch that from a different grandstand and just recognize that blessing. But what, what a gift, isn't it? What a gift. It, it's really remarkable. Um, we, you know, they had no idea that a community garden would grow. Right. Um, but, but just so many things that hard work, education, if the only way I could get out of working as a kid was to read a book because that, that was, that was the way you didn't play, you know, because that's wasting time. You worked. And, uh, but if I read a book, education was all right. So. So that kind of worked. And so, grow. oh, and they were total subsistence. Uh, uh, several of the plots around the, the house were, were garden spaces at, at that time. So total subsistence uh, food. We all know how to bake bread. We all know how to can. We all know how to, you know, wow. do all that stuff. Wow. Um, but, but again, education, hard work, Working the land. I mean, all of those values continue. Yeah, isn't that amazing? With the church. And it's just, yeah. you know, on behalf of my mom and dad, I got to say thanks to both of you and, mm. and all of the church. Well, thank you guys. I appreciate just even, even coming here and to share. And I got to tell them about the ripple 
uh, two-year kind of plan that we've been praying through. And Ripple means something a little bit different to them. It's a story I'm not going to share. It has something to do with alcohol. It does. Okay. Alcohol, just, and, anyway. So, Some of you might not have known that. Yeah, yeah. But I got to share with them about um, our beginning to work with the school district and education, how much we already do, the garden plot. And Ellen found out that as she dug back in the original kind of plot and, and zoning for this land, it was gr granted by the state as an educational plot for education. It was granted. It was a, those of you who are familiar with um, land grant colleges, for instance, and land grant lands, um, the federal government gave to the state of Wisconsin this land uh, as part of their land grant program, whose purpose was to either build a school on it. Put, put a university on it, or sell it to contribute to public universities. And that was a, a federal program back in the 18, I think it was in the 1830s, but we didn't wow. become a state until 1848. So the history of this land, recorded history, began in 1851 when it was part of this land grant for purposes of education. Isn't that amazing? Bob, how'd you survive three sisters? It's totally unrelated. I just, you know, if you have any wisdom for any boys out there that have other sisters, <laughs> I won't put you, put you on the spot, but. It wasn't hard. It wasn't that hard? <laughs> if they were all reading, I would imagine you would have had to be working, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it is great to have them here. And I know, I don't know if you fully appreciate the depth of, of, Really, I think the completing of, of a vision and a heartbeat for what God was doing in their family. But can we thank the Vandervelden family for just being here this morning? Thanks, guys. Thank you, Bob. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Are we going to hug? No. No. <laughs> Ouch. That love offering has gone now, by the way. No more love offering. All right, you can have a hug. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, it's, uh, it's rich uh, for us to reflect on, on our past. Um, those of you who are young in the room, history right now may not mean much to you. But I think it's something that goes on as we journey longer in our faith, and as the older we get, we start to look back. And one of the things you don't even recognize is that you are a product of our past. Whether you know that history or not, isn't it interesting to note some of the things that we are already and still um, producing? We're farming in some ways. We're farming hearts and minds to follow Jesus. This is still a very fertile footprint. And, and how interesting, it's still networked with education. It's still being embraced uh, to reach out to the city. You heard Ted in the very beginning saying that this, this group longed to extend itself into the city of Green Bay. And that's what we wanted to reflect on as we talked about the, the series, I Am Community. We wanted you to know that your past matters. 
Now, this is just our 48 years here at Green Bay Community Church, and God will continue it here. And when we bring people on staff or as a volunteer, I want you to know that comes with some weight. It comes with some historical responsibility to to not squander what's been laid before us. I know, and you go to a rich organization, I know um, even with the team, the Packers, that when they new guys come in, the big issue is to, to understand the history. And there's something about that, that that carries some weight. And we wanted to have you feel a little bit more of that as we talk about we are Green Bay Community Church. But it doesn't just end with the 48 years. It really goes all the way back because there is one discipline that Jesus will say he wants us to continue to do to embrace our past, to remember our journey. And that is when Jesus broke the bread at the Last Supper. Paul will later on talk about this in the church to Corinth, but he'll say, I want you to take communion. And when you do that, I want you to remember. It's something that happened all throughout Scripture This idea that God will be saying all throughout the Old Testament, don't forget, Israel, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. He's always calling us to remember. Not to live in the past, but to be able to live more appropriately in the present and to move forward in these footprints. Jesus uh, left some footprints for us. In fact, Peter, the writer, in 1 Peter 2.21 says, For this you have been called, you as Christians, you and I, that, that Jesus Christ left footprints for us and that we should follow in those steps. And I think it's important for us to, this morning, every week we get to go to communion. We get to go to the table. And that's not separated from our past. It's not something that's just a personal reflection for you. It has a corporate and a communal impact on us because we remember this rich history. Paul is, is going to talk in, in Corinthians, and I want to just quickly go through this for you because I want you to understand a little bit of the weight that I feel, not only being on staff here at Community Church, and I carry 48 years of many that have gone before, but I, I also want you to know is I carry the weight when I go to the table, that I am a son, uh, an adopted son as a part of the family of God, and I am brother uh, to you. And I carry that weight, and I'm to reflect on that, and Paul does a great job. Now, this is not to say that this is us, but I want you to hear what Paul is saying when we go to that discipline, to that sacrament of the table, the Lord's Supper. He's saying, I want you to have some motives in line, and I want you to think about those. So just, if, if you give me a couple minutes, I want you to quickly think about these, because I think it'll add a little bit more to your going to the table. It says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you. He's actually upset at this church in Corinth. I'm not upset at you this morning. I'm just, I want you to hear what Paul's saying to help them remember why they're actually doing communion. I have no praise for you, for your meetings are doing more harm than good. Friends, we have the definite possibility that we can gather and do more harm in gathering if we don't have our perspective about our past and remember where we're coming from. Paul will say in the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there's divisions among you. To some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have been differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then when you come together, it is no longer the Lord's Supper you eat. He's saying, 
If you go to the table and don't have appropriate motive, perspective about remembering the past of what Jesus did and who he did it for, it doesn't count. It was interesting for me to read this and start to, to embrace this, that have there been times where I've gone to the table and not been appropriately motivated? He says, it's not the Lord's Supper, for when you're eating, some of you are going ahead with your own private suppers. Do you have homes to eat and drink in? Or you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. Paul's struggling because they're going into these homes, and the Lord's Supper means they're having a big meal, and in the middle of it, or at the end of it, they're going to break bread and have the cup, like Jesus did at the Last Supper. They probably have 40 to 60 people in a home, and they'd be breaking up into rooms. And in those rooms, what he's saying is, some rooms are having a huge party. There's probably the wealthy. Other rooms are barely eating. There's not an awareness of, of the body. The first motive that he's going to really reflect on is, as he says it in here in, in, in this verse 16 and 17, the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks isn't it a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread break in a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, we here are many are one body, we share in this together. Therefore, the motive, as we go to the table, one motive is that we have an awareness of the oneness and unity for the body of Christ. Not just the physical body that Jesus gave for us, but he died for what? You and I, so that we would be what? Sons and daughters of a community. Of a faith community, of a church, of, of whatever they're calling them, Green Bay Community Church, Faith Church, St. John's, whatever it is, and they, we come together and we reflect on that oneness. So one motive is us that we're aware of one another and that we're, we're, we're brother and sister, son and daughter. The second part of this, he, he says, for I received from the Lord what I'm also going to pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he gave thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. He's going to do what the cops say, and he's going to say, do this and remember me. The second motive, not only that remember the oneness of this new family that I'm entering into, but I remember what Jesus did with his body. Not only am I aware of the body of Christ that he died for, I am aware of what he did for me, for you. He goes on here in verse 27 and says, So therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the blood and body of the Lord. Powerful words. It makes us think that our past is important, that we remember where we came from and why we're even here and why we gather on a Sunday morning. It carries weight. And so he says everyone should examine themselves. Now, interesting note, the commentaries say this is not just a self-examination all about ourselves. Yes, look through your life, but it's also with eyes around the community and the body of Christ. It actually says in here that, that if we eat without this discernment, we actually can bring physical sickness and death to ourselves. Now, I'm not trying to be abrasive to you. I just thought for myself. You could figure out for you, I want to go to that table and have proper motive. That I'm not just pushing and punching a, a communion card for, for God. 
It's not a personal reset button. All right, God, I'm going to take communion and start over. This is my reset for the, for the week. No, it's weighty. It has history and past and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, many saints who died for the church, and I'm bringing that along as I go to the table. I'm thinking through that. We have a motive of careful self-examination of our hearts and our love for the body of Christ. I don't know what your heart is, but I, I fall in love with our church here when I hear about the Vandervelden family, when I hear about Virgil and Eva, when I hear about what I know about Ted and what I know about the history of our church. I fall more in love with, and there, there's a sense of just love and gratitude, isn't there? Some of you have been around here for a lot of years, and you feel that. That's what Jesus wants when we go to the table. He, he doesn't want us to go just alone and solo, just alone and just thinking about ourselves, but carrying that with us. So then he says, he finishes up here, he says, so then, brother and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should do that together. Communion is this great sacrament that the community gets to celebrate together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. In other words, do whatever else you're going to do, but when you come and come together, you have your heart and motive about the past of what Jesus Christ has done for you with his body, and you have an awareness about the new body that we've been invited to. It's to be taken together, and that's what we get this great chance to do this morning. We have the chance every week at Community that we have, have kind of Embrace that tradition. And what we ask is the prerequisite is that you know Jesus Christ, that it says in the scripture that you must know him. And then we ask that you lock arms with whether it's a biological family member or one of your new family in here. But you go examining your heart. And as you go and look to the left and right, you may not know those people personally, but they are sons and daughters. They are brother and sister. And you bring that to the table. You evaluate and, and, and check your motive about, am I caring for the needy in our body? Am I, am I making sure that there's no division? Am I being first to step up and seek forgiveness and restoration in the body of Christ? We are community. And this morning we have this great chance to be invited into it. As we go to communion this morning, can I just challenge you? As Paul did, Evaluate. Uh, don't, don't walk up to a table because you think it's just tradition and God's pleased because you do it. He's, he's examining your heart. He's going to look at your heart. And so can you do that this morning as we remember the past that Jesus Christ died for us? Father, we pray this morning as we reflected on our short history, but now we look at that longer history and that beautiful history of you giving the gift of your son. And God, how allows, that allows us to be a part, partakers of not only your son's body, but that blood and body broken, spilled for me, spilled for my friends in this room. God, we have a chance to be a part of your body. We celebrate that in Jesus' name. Amen.